everyone, Jay here, and welcome back to this installment of Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting. On this installment, we read Fire Force by Atsushi Okubo. Chapter 0 to 20 The Versus Special Fire Force Company 5 Arc. Stay tuned! You want to start us off with your familiarity with Fire Force? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. Sam here. Uh, my familiarity with Fire Force is pretty minimal. I randomly stumbled across it while on vacation with my parents once. I saw that a YouTuber I liked covered the OP and it sounded really good. So I watched the first episode or two, thought, no, oh, this looks like fun shonen stuff. And then it kind of fell off my radar until we uh, had it on the reading list and now here we are i'll go next jacob here my familiarity with fire force is actually similar but even less because the only reason i knew fire force even existed was because after that vacation uh sam sent me the op and said hey listen to this isn't it dope and i'm like yeah this is dope and then never thought about it again until it was on the reading list <laughs> Matt here, uh, really not bucking the trend here. Uh, Fire Force, I think I had seen one random episode completely on Toonami at one point. Uh, I couldn't tell you if that episode was even in what we covered today. So it was, uh, yeah. And Jay here, no prior knowledge of Fire Force. I only recognized it through the similarity with its I, I, I'm guessing sister show Soul Eater. So that's the extent of my prior knowledge. It's it's same creator, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same creator. Mm. Uh, also the same creator of Soul Eater Not, the show we are never going to read. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I support this. I support never addressing Soul Eater Not further. I, I gotta say, it really does show that this is the same guy that made Soul Eater. It is an exceptionally solid shonen it hits all of the proper notes it follows all of the right uh shonen trajectories that you would expect it has a little subverting things here and there which we will get to it, it i think it just goes to show that uh okubo is like just a pretty deep he's a very solid mangaka when it comes to this particular genre this is actually important for me to note because as we go forward you're probably going to be hearing me being extremely harsh on fire force and i want to qualify this now it's because i like it but man is it flawed it's very paint by numbers shonen in many cases to its explicit detriment there are a couple of places where i just get infuriated with how close Fire Force comes to being exactly what I'm looking for in a series. It really does, in a lot of cases, it kind of feels like it's trying to ride Hirowaka's coattails and not succeeding, which is interesting because um, a bunch of people have mentioned uh, Soul Eater. And I got to say, I remember trying to get into Soul Eater and it never grabbed me. So I wonder if this is maybe I don't like this mangaka's style or something. That might be it. I This has a lot of similarities to Soul Eater, like stylistically how the story kind of comes out. There's a lot of parts of Soul Eater that I'll also admit are very paint by numbers because I, I think it's just very clear that the mangaka just doesn't care at all about certain parts of writing a shonen. 
and kind of breezes over those sections. Just does the basic stuff and moves on. Yeah, you fill in what needs to be there and focus on the thing that personally interests them, which is a thing you get a lot in manga that are done by like a single person rather than a team. Because Hiroaka is important to know. That's like six people working on it. So a direct one-to-one comparison probably isn't fair. Yeah, it probably isn't fair. Mm -hmm. There are some places where... There are just explicit story flaws that I'm definitely going to point out because I want Fire Force to be better. I want you to be your best you, Fire Force. And there are some places where um, it's really hard not to compare it to Hiroaka because I think it, it really is explicitly trying to ride Hiroaka's coattails. But yeah, like when you have a team, you have people who are all interested in multiple different things. So it's naturally not going to have that effect of glossing over things that don't that don't personally interest you. Yeah. Getting down to the actual like progression of the story, we start off with our main character, uh, our plucky shonen protagonist, uh, Shinra Kusakabe, as he is making his way to his new job. And this is the first of the things that kind of makes me think. This is very much falling back on classic shonen tropes because Shinra has a full-time job as a special fire force officer, and yet there are so many shonen battle high school tropes that Mm -hmm. we fall into. He looks like he's going to his first day of high school. Yeah, Yeah. he does. He's in a high school uniform, like... It fits the formula perfectly. Let's just admit it. There is a Mm -hmm. formula here. He's running late to the train. Uh, Mm -hmm. Gotta get to Hogwarts. (laughs) The conceit of the setting, though, rapidly comes into focus as we see Shinra waiting on the train platform and the train making its way there. And one of the passengers on the train explodes into fire. Do we then get the uh, like full panel explanation immediately after this that I think actually the first page is that, isn't it? It's yeah. yeah. With all the Lord Death logos over it, talking about the various ways that people die and how the current most terrifying way to die is by fire. Well, also in this settings universe, dying by fire is incredibly terrifying because your soul becomes a never ending monster. Yeah. So be prepared for like the not so subdued religious overtones here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They're not even, they are not even overtones. It is like, Catholic firefighters. It, it is a Catholic <laughs> theme that is thrown over what it is. It's like Evangelion. It. Like, oh, <laughs> it's just like secretly a whole bunch of Christian metaphors. No, crosses are cool. Yeah, that's the difference, though. I feel like Evangelion was just an unfortunate coincidence. I don't think I don't get those vibes from this. It's definitely using Catholicism as a theme that makes things mm-hmm. look cool because cathedrals look cool is a quote from the mangaka. <laughs> because I they mean, do. Like, that's an objective yeah. fact. He's not wrong. But anyway, we're, we're jumping ahead to when he's already shown up as his job. Basically, what happens is uh, a salary man on the train uh, erupts into fire and becomes what is known as an infernal. Someone who has died by fire and that ignites their soul. No, it's spontaneous human combustion, except yeah. you also turn into a monster. That's mm-hmm. right. It, it like it's fire that explodes from within your soul, burning away your body. And then you're like this kind of charred husk that is being kept alive. And the manga explicitly states this. Yeah. The only reason you're still alive is because that fire is burning up what is left of your soul. This is something that's actively being explored 
in the manga, but do, are we aware of any semblance of consciousness while you're burning, or are you just like this flame monster? They try and talk about that a little bit later in what we read, but I don't think they go fully into it. That's probably yeah. something they're going to do later. And here's the thing about that, and this is something that I notice pretty consistently. People will talk like they know what they're talking about, but one of the big conceits of the series, and indeed one of the reasons why it engaged me so much, is because there is a big overarching mystery. Basically, everyone talks about it like you still have the sensation of being on fire, and that's all you know until you're put down. And... It's reasonable to think that with the way that the Infernals behave, but like this central conceit, the Infernals and the mystery about them is easily the most engaging element of Fire Force. And it's the reason why I like it so much. And it also leads into one of the biggest problems that the series has, but that's not quite come up yet because uh, this, this first bit is really well done. Because, yeah, we haven't we haven't even gotten to Shinra's big thing is as the fire force comes in and starts taking out this infernal on the train. There is a special military religious force that exists specifically to take out these infernals. They are specially equipped and built strike teams to destroy infernals because otherwise these things are just too dangerous for your average mortal to go we, deal we with. We get explained later that the special fire force is a joint organization formed from people from the regular firefighters, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. The military. Sense, that also makes sense. The military makes more sense considering what we see special fire force doing. And then the third is the church, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, the church, okay. the Holy Saul Temple. Oh, there's also um, the uh, research division from that corporation. But that yeah. that comes up explicitly later. So we'll talk mm -hmm. about that then. Because when uh, people are spontaneously exploding into fire demons that are causing widespread chaos and pain, and I, I would start worshiping the sun. <laughs> I'm not even I sure if I'm being sarcastic. I'm pretty sure the worship was before, but... <laughs> ah. Yeah. I was going to say, they don't go into that. The implication is that it was beforehand, but it would not shock me if a twist later in the series is that... Um, people started worshiping the Great Flame or whatever they call it because of spontaneous human combustion. The implication, though, is that this is already an established religion. This is the kind of thing where it's like you'd have to do an exposition dump to establish, for example, like maybe this was a small fringe religion and the spontaneous human combustion made it the dominant religion in Japan, at least. Like, like most Japanese stories, it focuses almost exclusively on Japan, even when... That doesn't necessarily make sense. It's an international phenomenon. Because when actual supernatural-seeming events of fire spirits consuming people starts happening, yeah, that, that would push people towards being more worshipful. The flame giveth and the flame taketh away. Mm. Exactly, exactly. We keep, we keep getting away from my boy Shinra, though. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, we didn't keep getting away from Shinra, who at, who does have a bomb-ass power, because Shinra is a third-generation pyrokinetic. Huh. And that means that not only can he manipulate fire, he can produce his own flame, though it specifically comes from his feet as a jet boost from his feet. And it's called the Devil's Footprint, and it's the coolest. It's really, really freaking cool. After he ignites his feet, there's like soot and ash on his feet, and like he burns the ground as he walks, leaving footprints of char in his wake. The important part is because of like how the fire comes off. Um, you can see his footprints have like 
taloned feet because the fire shoots out from each of his toes individually. So you get like a burn pattern, which causes him to have like these monstrous footprints. And of course, as part of the course, he is demonized and seen as like the devil child and all the other stuff. Well, he's, he's... He also has a bit of a quirky gimmick. Yeah. This is where Fire Force just makes stupid decisions that really hurts it. Shinra's gimmick in particular is about as far as Fire Force could have afforded to push it, and he's the most normal of these people. He has a muscle tick where um, whenever he gets nervous, he grins in this, like, really creepy, toothy way. I thought it was adorable. When they use it with intention, I like Shinra's gimmick, but other people also have gimmicks. And when Fire Force takes the Infernals as seriously as it does and then juxtaposes it with goofy nonsense, it really shatters the tone. There are a couple of particular examples that we're going to get into, but this is this is sort of where the problem starts. Because, well, you, you mentioned Shinra's tick about like how he grins. Can we get into his backstory? Because once we do that, we can move on. But yeah, yeah, basically why he's so demonized Shinra's whole backstory that's revealed after he uses his fire powers to save the nun. It's a, it's a very like show what our world can do beginning. Uh, it gets cut into his backstory, which is told by his commanding officer, basically telling, oh, you don't know that kid's backstory. And then chapter two backstory as a young child, he wanted to be a hero and save people. But then uh, one night, his uh, house burns down, killing his family. And he is the sole survivor because, luck had it, he's a third generation uh, pyrokinetic, which means he's immune from fire. He did not die in the blaze. And he's resistant to fire. And it, it's also worth noting that the idea of like third generation, what that specifically means, the way that it works is infernals are considered first generation. They can't control the flame. They just spontaneously burst into flames and become monsters. Then there's second generations who are just pyrokinetics. They can't make flame, but they can control it. And then there's people like Shinra. They're not completely immune to fire. Basically, it's the excuse for why they have anime durability. Yeah, they're as resistant as the plot needs them to be. Exactly. Essentially, yes, they're resistant. Like, they don't get burned by normal fire is the big thing. Like, they can go into a burning building without problem. It's when an infernal attacks them that you get, like, oh, firepower versus pyro. That's when it gets so hot that it can burn even through that. But basically, what happens is because he has this pyrokinesis, uh, they naturally are suspicious of him, but then because of his nervous tick of grinning whenever he's like scared or whatever, they're like, oh, did you see him with that devilish grin as he was like over his mom's charred body? Yeah, that kid definitely did it. He's going to the orphanage. Mm -hmm. Well, he would have gone to the orphanage anyway. Well, he went to the punishment orphanage. The punishment <laughs> orphanage. He went to the Shonen backstory orphanage where they think you committed a crime but can't prove it. So they just treat you like garbage the rest of your life. Yeah. Ah, yes. The Persona 5 method. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The Naruto method of <laughs> why is Naruto treated this way? I'm pretty sure in this universe there's also a child grinder. Let's just throw it in there. <laughs> that seems likely, unfortunately. The the quality of the way that they set up the backstory is really well done. It's very paint-by-numbers shown and in the best way, but I have some problems with it. I get what they're going for with the I-need-to-be-a-hero thing for Shinra, but given when Fire Force came out and that specific verbiage, that's why I say it feels like it's riding Hiroaka's coattails, because... 
I get what they're going for. It's not like Hiroka solely owns that. You're right, because no shonen has ever had their protagonist say, I want to be a hero. That's solely owned by My Hero Academia. Like the way that they treat Shinra and, and Deku, the way that they approach heroism, the way that they approach the idea and the way that they idolize it, it feels really similar. And then given the timing of the two series when they came out, I think that's a reach, but <laughs> I'm not saying that Fire Force is ripping off Hirawaka. I'm saying it it's noticeable. That's, that's more of a minor issue. The real problem is people who should know about Shinra's nervous tick don't seem to know about Shinra's nervous tick. How does his grandma not know about that? How do the doctors who are helping him with his hold, fire? Hold on. I think he might have developed the nervous tick as a part of his uh, traumatic experience. He was like four in that backstory. <laughs> Because we don't really see evidence that Shinra has the tick before that. All we really see in the backstory is him, you know, being your average happy kid with his uh, nice dead anime mom. He And he's only naturally smiling there, which is different than his rictus grin. I could be wrong about this, but I think that the people who are trying to give him to his grandmother are say are actually mention the nervous tick. I don't remember that, but I could also be wrong. Shinra knows about it and he tells people about it. And yet mm -hmm. everyone acts like it like they've never heard it before and that obviously he's grinning like an evil demon. Like people who should know better don't treat it that way. One of the few exceptions is a character that we'll be getting into quite soon, Captain Obi. For him, it's water off a duck's back, but there are people who act like it means something when they know better. I, I think the one thing you need to keep in mind, though, is like this grin might not be conveyed correctly. It's everyone talks about it's very unnerving. So maybe even if they're consciously aware of it, the fact that it's still weird and like you have to make that mental step because normally what you get is people reacting to it immediately. We find out later through Shinra's own recollections and also something that happens later in our reading that he wasn't the cause of the fire. There was some other thing there that kind of looks like an infernal. We don't actually get the answer on that. But I think didn't he always know that the backstory makes it clear he didn't do it. They just blamed him because yeah. he looked suspicious and was a pyrokinetic like that's yeah. that's a fair assumption. Well, it's specifically an unfair assumption, but Shinra's a kid. He can't he can't exactly uh, he can't point it out. And it's yeah. not like anyone's going to believe him either. Mm -hmm. And the people in this universe are living in constant, very practical and very spiritual fear of people who can control fire like this or people who specifically can't control fire like this. I do get where you're coming from, Jake. I agree. I just think that in the context of the universe, it makes a bit more sense. And like, naturally, we're going to be very frustrated with people who are getting down on our boy for this, because of course we sympathize with the protagonist because he, he is a good soft boy. So I think it makes sense diegetically, but I also get where you're coming from. We get a lot of that backstory in the... Uh, first infernal attack where after Shinra joins up with Fire Force Company number eight, he doesn't have a lot of time to settle in before they're called out again and to a fire at a factory where the foreman's wife has gone infernal. Whoa, whoa, and whoa. Hold on. Are you skipping over my favorite character, Arthur Boyle? Arthur, for one, is worst boy, and he shows up after this. Yeah, Arthur shows up <laughs> after this. I refuse. I refuse to acknowledge him at this time. Because Fire Force Company number eight is um 
a bit slapdash. They were only recently created. Their cathedral fire station is a bit on the rundown side, and they are very severely undermanned. Uh, they don't even have a research div division, which is why they talk about how uh, some of us came from the military, some of us came from the firefighters, some of us came from the church. Mm -hmm. There's also you're also supposed to have a research and development division because, again, one of the really good uh, plot thrusts is the mystery of why is this happening, how is this happening, and how can it be stopped? And the the fire force part of what they're doing isn't just finding infernals it's figuring out what's going on company number eight consists of uh captain obi who is awesome he is a regular base mortal he has no fire powers so he just spends all day pumping iron he's literally just a buff regular firefighter who's who just decided yeah i'm gonna professionally fight infernals <laughs> <laughs> we then have uh my favorite character <laughs> lieutenant hinoa who is ex military and is the craziest sob <laughs> he, he is the character that if this was like an early 90s anime would be played by a hot woman but uh, now yeah. he's just a dude who simps for captain obi and will follow him wherever he goes yeah yes. and he constantly has this wide-eyed stare like he is glaring through your soul and disapproving of everything he sees it's hysterical i, I love, love how he will occasionally just say i don't care about fighting fires i care about serving captain obi yeah. with like deadpan stare at the person he's supposed to be saving the life of and yeah. you kind of know he's being honest about that, too. <laughs> he's not just saying that. He means it. Yeah. The LT is very crazy, and I kind of dig him for it. Uh, we then have the best girl, uh, Maki. Hey. Yes. Maki's pretty great. Yes. Witch she queen. Yes. <laughs> she is a second generation, so that means she can't, can, she can't produce flame, but she can control it. And she is exceedingly good at it, uh, able to... Uh, we see later clap on a couple of uh, third generations and she's also ex-military. So she knows the fundamentals of CQC and also goes full solid snake on people. She's got it all. They do this kind of weird thing too, where they give the, the um, pyrokineticist like epithets, but then they kind of get bored of it and don't use them as often as like other shows would. Yeah. They're yeah. normally just put in like uh, bios is really what they're for. <laughs> Yeah, and they're mostly for Company 8 because they're like the main character company. Well, I think that kind of like gives them, oh, I mean, it is what it is. It's a nickname. It's kind of like code name. If like. Mm. It's not like it's not like the hero names of Hiroaka where it's like baked into the world. These are yeah, just. Yeah, it's when I thought when I heard of these, I thought it was like if I don't know, taking it back to like kids next door, it'd be like code name. Yeah. Oh, you mean Which like we... military code names? Yeah. <laughs> Codename Devil, Codename Witch. Yeah, do they actually use this in real life? No, that would be super weird. <laughs> but yeah, uh, her codename is specifically because her pyrokinesis um, is actually pretty mundane for what we see later it's in the series. So yeah, she uses it really well though. She can yeah. manipulate fire, and what she tends to do is like make little fire elementals, and then immediately gets yelled at for doing that because you do not yeah. give life to fire. Little mini calcifers everywhere. It's adorable. Except they're fat. They're all little fat. <laughs> little willow wisps. The spiders. I love Aww. the spiders. And I hate to say it, but this is actually one of the examples of where 
And once we get into the uh, their their first like full on call, I'll I'll get into why I have such a problem with this. But they overuse the sputter joke way too much. We also have uh, Sister Iris as well as that's my second favorite. Yeah, I don't know why you were talking about that other girl like she mattered because we have Sister Iris on the team. All right, all right. <laughs> second favorite girl. Okay. <laughs> she she is uh, great because she's a nun. And as far as what we read, I don't think she's capable of doing anything. Hey, she is capable of hoping that everyone comes out of this okay. In, in all fairness. If, she hopes really hard, guys. If, she if, is like um, kind of the chaplain of this. Yeah, she is a chaplain. And, and when what you're fighting is inherently people's souls who are burning up to become monsters, maybe praying for them is a good idea. <laughs> And, yeah. and that is what it comes down to. This actually kind of a little bit gets into the idea of people talk with authority about things that they're not sure about. A lot of this is they are praying to their God, you know, for a solution to this problem. There are some pretty noticeable religious undertones and like sort of why this is more, um, this is less of a skin like um, with Evangelion and being a bit maybe more like Helsing in some ways where uh, it actually no I would say and I know you guys aren't familiar with this because it's kind of like obscure not really but Trinity Blood I've only heard of it so it, it makes sense why they would have a holy woman when people at the very least perceive and very well might be right as well at the very least perceive this as a religious experience that's happening yeah that, that's kind of what i'm saying is why i would say it's not like helsing and helsing like the religious overtones have tangible effect okay that's mm -hmm. fair like blessed silver kills vampires in this they're just praying that the soul that they're taking out with mundane means mm -hmm. is going to find peace which i hope so because it's being kept alive by searing pain yeah um, yeah <laughs> Th this this does uh move beyond faith magic to actual like belief act yeah like it is it is faith that their god will help them it, it's it's mm -hmm. an actual interpretation of religion rather than like this is a cleric from D D is kind of the distinction yeah. i wanted to make here okay yeah that's fair i was thinking more in the sense that like the religious politics in helsing is very like grounded in how real life religious conflict happens Fair. that's what i was sort of that's that's the comparison i was making but it, that is an important distinction they're because, both basically catholicism because <laughs> <laughs> like that is that is an important distinction though because sister iris might be helping she might be saving their souls she might also just be boosting morale and literally nothing else which is also helping mm -hmm. that is also helping I want to throw in there that Sister Iris is also seems to be the trope of innocent character who seems to get a hit on by everyone. Well, that's because she's just the best. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like in like canonically, like she happens to have <laughs> she happens to have all the shower scenes. Well, I mean, yeah, but also oh, there, there's the, the fan service. Oh my God, Fire Force! I don't need to see boobs that badly. You can Jake, stop now. Jake, Jake, you're just wrong. I want everyone to be aware that Jacob does not speak for the podcast. <laughs> it, it is religious ablution. I don't know why you're all being so sinful about this. I, I, I think the big thing is uh, she's the nun. So she is already unattainable. Like, that's kind of the vibe of why everyone is, like, hitting on her. Yeah. It's not like, just that. I mean, come on. I know. She she also has a lot of I'm going to cleanse myself in the park. I guess. Yeah, like, come on. There's no... 
in all fairness, in defense of that scene, she does apologize that she was the one doing the weird thing, which is fair. Mm. I think that's probably the least egregious example of of needless fan service. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into worst girl in a bit. Yes. Oh, God. And first we have the uh, the next mission that they get called out on, which really serves for more world building, though it does have some plots set up to it because it is the first time that we, the readers, get introduced to the Joker. Oh, actually, wait, there was one thing that I wanted to mention about the um, about their first like mission as a team. This is important to understand why I'm going to be harsh with Fire Force, because the jokes that Fire Force makes aren't necessarily bad. But in their first mission, they make it explicitly clear and they will double down on this later, which is something I like, by the by, that not only are the things that they're fighting formerly people and people's loved ones, but they go into a building and part of their mission is to rescue one of the workers that hadn't got out, out of the building. You see his, his charred corpse on the ground. Mm -hmm. It's actually a really powerful moment. And you'll note that in that moment, the character's goofy, funny gimmicks, they stop. The lieutenant isn't like creepy wide eyed. Like he still has the same character design, but he doesn't like give off the creepy wide eyed stare vibe. Like he's a serious professional at this point. Obi's not randomly lifting weights or anything. And Maki's not screwing around with sputter. It's a very well done, very serious moment. It's that's not going to last. And that's a serious problem. It does last into the second call, though, which mm -hmm. we're, we're just skipping over Arthur Boyle, aren't we? <laughs> Arthur well, no, this is, well, well, this is where Arthur, Arthur shows where up. Arthur is introduced. Oh, boy, Arthur. I love Arthur. I have a lot to say about Arthur. I have a lot to say. None of it's good. Well, good thing there are multiple characters that you can all enjoy as well and maybe let <laughs> other people enjoy things they like rather than, you know, pretending as if everything needs to suit your needs. <laughs> I just don't. I am I... sensing some saltiness. <laughs> <laughs> If it um, makes you feel any better, Matt, I also like Arthur, just not in Fire Force. <laughs> uh, yeah, because so, you, you want this to be a serious manga when it clearly wasn't going to be. What I mean, I will get into what I mean later. We are introduced to our shonen rival, who is Arthur Boyle. Uh, he is a uh, he, he is, is a plucked, person. He, he is, is a Westerner. Plucked, he is plucked straight out of Le Morte Arthur. He is literally Don Quixote. He is a lightsaber. He, he is Don Quixote <laughs> with a lightsaber and an Arthurian king complex. Yes. He is, hey, we need a Western character in this Japanese-centric manga. Let's make him a knight with blonde yeah. hair and a flaming sword. Uh-huh. His, his sword is really cool, though. I mean, is. He is a third generation pyrokinetic, much like Shinra. In fact, they went to uh, they went to Academy together and they hate each other. They have the contrived rival hate backstory, which it's been done better elsewhere. In all fairness, Jacob, they also drop that pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, Arthur just kind of like justifies everyone's dislike and or they like, depending on which part of the spectrum you fall on. Arthur just feels superior to everyone. So that comes off as like rival relationship, but I don't think he there's like an actual rivalry there. No, he thinks it's a rivalry, but really everyone else on the outside's like there's no comparison. Like I don't even know why you're even considering yourself a rival. 
I think perhaps Shinra actually does see it as a rivalry, whereas Arthur, he's very dumb. I don't think he knows what's going on. Yeah, no, no, he makes it fair and he doesn't know what's going on. Arthur it, doesn't know what's going on, but he has the confidence to fake it through life, and I admire that in an individual. Admittedly, so do I. Uh, but yeah, it does kind of drop from a, a rivalry to just they are co-workers that don't like each other, and so they bicker a lot. Uh, any of the like classic one-upsmanship you'd expect from, like, say, a Deku or a Bakugo and a Goku and a Vegeta, that is pretty rapidly dropped though not after we get the objectively really sick fight which also serves for more wall building and also kind of introducing more of the powers of our core team here because shinra and arthur are immediately at each other's throats as soon as they see each other uh their fight gets up to the roof where maki was doing a bit of uh sputtering uh, with iris don't take that out of context the lieutenant he walks up and is like all right both of you need to get a grip we're supposed to be a team here maki i want you to beat their asses <laughs> to which she says okay let's go shinra and arthur both both thinking that because they are the sp the special super cool creating their own fire powers people with their fire stands or whatever they think that this is, they need to like hold back. Well, Shinra thinks he needs to hold back to not hurt Maki. Arthur's just doing a stupid chivalry thing. I love this because Shinra has that reflex to hold back. But the thing that really ingratiates me to Shinra and make him uh, make me like him is his thought process is I feel like I should hold back again because it's two third generations against one second generation. But she's really confident, and so is the lieutenant, and these two have shown nothing but competence since I met them, so I should probably take this seriously, at which point Maki has already closed the distance and punched him off of the roof. Yep. Which is really cool. I, I love mm. the whole, like, first half of this. Oh yeah, no, I love this too. Shinra does realize that I'm kind of being condescending for thinking I should hold back. And Maki is just so good that while he is thinking that in his head, she's already uh, beaten him. Which mm -hmm. is fair. Maki's been on the team for longer. She's seen more action. This is still realistically Shinra and Arthur's like first mission because the thing before wasn't really the same. As we alluded to earlier, Arthur's firepower is he has a hilt with no blade, but he can project a plasma sword from it, and it's called Excalibur. It really should have been called Excalibur. Like, come on. Excalibur, Excalibur already has a meaning in his previous manga. Excalibur. Like, Excalibur was a main character of Soul Eater, so maybe he explicitly didn't go for that reference. From the United Kingdom, I'm looking for heaven. I'm going to California. Oh, Arthur's power. <laughs> yeah, 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 Arthur's, yeah. yeah, Arthur's power, which Maki handily subverts by turning both of their powers into sputters that she controls, not them. There's a bit in the beginning where, like, Arthur's, like, nightly gimmick wouldn't necessarily be a problem. If this series didn't take the infernals as seriously as it did like arthur's goofiness wouldn't be a problem but like there's this really cool moment of maki you know saying uh shouldn't a knight bow to the princess and like it's this really really cool moment it gets completely derailed by a bunch of jokes that don't really land their first mission after this team building exercise i'm gonna point out the part where fire force 
frustrated me the most. It's okay for Arthur to be as jokey and funny as he is. You can have all the characters be as jokey and as funny as you want, but they take half of the series so seriously and they remind you what a big deal it all is. And then they juxtapose it with Arthur being just completely insane. And it's not specifically Arthur is the problem because they all have moments like this, but he's just the worst offender of it. Like having the series fit Arthur better. I like Arthur as a side character and I think he fits, so. I mean, me saying that I don't like Arthur is kind of like tongue in cheek. I do like him, but I don't like his archetype. We do get into the second mission not long after this, where they're called out to another Infernal. And this is where, you know, we've got our established status quo. Infernals are mindless monsters and need to be put down in epic shonen anime battles. And nothing's on fire here. We were called out to an Infernal and this place is just fine. And as it turns out, this is a... Bit, a bit of a different scenario and we learn that infernals aren't all just hideous rage monsters this family a, a an average you know husband wife and and young daughter well no it's a husband and young daughter uh well uh, it had previously this, been it had previously been a husband wife and young daughter because the girl's mother went infernal about a year or so prior and then her dad went, and that's just the worst luck. Yeah. The kid is having a bit of a breakdown when the special fire force shows up. And it's such a good scene where Obi takes Shinra and Arthur aside. He had told them to hide their weapons. Mm -hmm. Arthur in particular, it makes perfect sense why, like he even points out, like, this is the tool of my trade. I'm proud of this. Why would I hide it? It's like there, there's no shame in this. And Obi points out that girl over there is grieving. Her father is dead and we are now going to kill what's left of him. You have to take the bereaved's feelings into account when you are doing your job. And if you can't learn that lesson that I don't want you in my company. Which is really kind of speaks volumes that both of these kids graduated from Fire Academy and no one ever taught them, hey, be respectful for the person whose parent you're executing. But then, and this is why I say Arthur doesn't work. All that seriousness, all that well done. And yet we have Arthur forgetting he's not left-handed later. I would not trust this guy anywhere near this situation and okay. it's not like it's a post-apocalyptic situation either there are other people that can do the job but you can have arthur be as he is just don't have the infernals be people have them just be fire elementals then you can have them be as funny as you want they kind of are but yeah it so after that scene the the gang heads inside and as i said it nothing's on fire they walk up and they find the father who is who has gone full infernal. He, he is a charred body spitting flames, but he is sitting calmly at the table and welcomes them to his home. He greets them. It's so somber. It's exceptionally creepy and very sad. And uh, Arthur, using his extremely precise laser sword, goes and very quickly puts the man out of his misery. Mm hmm. It's a really good scene. Oh, it's an exceptionally good scene. I, I if you, uh, you guys want to check it out, uh, me and uh, Sam and uh, Jay actually watched the anime of this. Beautifully done. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got I got to watch the anime. I want to. 
Yeah. Uh, the music really gives it a much more hip hop feel, which feels really good in a lot of cases. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially because Shinra's power, as we find out in the next little segment, he he uses it for breakdancing fighting, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But as they're having this somber moment and they're leaving the place, uh, all of a sudden the roof explodes and starts caving in. Captain Obi, being the immense hero that he is, manages to save the family portrait for the bereaved. Uh, e even going being trapped under the collapsed roof with his huge stonking muscles pulls himself out from under all of the debris and ruin with the portrait vowing eternal vengeance on the person who just because this is a very unique situation of mm. obviously like systemically it'd be very difficult for her to continue to live there but she could theoretically have still lived there it's her home her memories are there she a high schooler I think she's high school. Okay. I believe. She's, she was conceivably old enough to maybe live in the place. Although, mm, <laughs> whether or not yeah. you'd still want to. All of her belongings were still there and all the memories were still there. You know, mm. nothing had been destroyed. And then all of a sudden, I think that it's even after the Infernal has already been uh, put to rest. It blows up. Yeah. The, it's, the place blows up. Like someone did that. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we, the audience, see that it is this uh, slick-looking character in the bowler cap and the eye patch and the and the suit. Oh my god, he is so over-designed, and I love it. <laughs> it, it he is in, he is over-designed all the way to the moon. It's crazy. You He's know, extra as hell. I I kind I I heard a couple of times that Fire Force and and Soul Eater were the same mangaka. He's a Soul Eater character. He's a soul yeah. leader character he in really Fire is. Force. Fire Force is more grounded aesthetically than... Um, it helps that all the main characters wear a uniform. Yeah, that really yeah. keeps their design in check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this guy, he just stepped out of Soul Eater. Yeah, he, he stepped out of Goth Town. Given, given what his role in the story is, it makes him look and feel very other, which is very appropriate. Yeah, he should feel very other, because we'll, we'll get into that in the next arc, but... Yeah, we have the somber moment, uh, Captain Obi returning the portrait to the girl. And I guess it's about now that we have a, a turn on arc. Of course. Can we talk about the rookie fire soldier games? They're announced kind of a little better than how Hiroaka announces arcs, but not by much. Um, <laughs> where they're like, hey, we're having a rookie firefighter competition where all the divisions send their rookies to compete and then we get like five people who show up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just sounds like a terrible idea. Just why? <laughs> I mean, I guess we have to follow, you know, the shonen formula where we have to have tournament arcs because it's not a shonen without a tournament arc. It's yeah. it's to the point, I think what happened was someone in editing told him, hey, maybe you'd like a tournament arc. And he's like, I guess, and then got bored of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because well, like most shonen tournament arcs, it doesn't actually conclude. How about that? Uh-huh. I don't think it was ever meant to conclude just how it's been set up, though. No, yeah, no. That, like, it was very, it was done to do that Shonen tournament thing where the tournament doesn't actually end. It never even really began, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and also yeah. the fact that they used rookies is like, where were, where were you going with this? I, I think maybe it's to give the audience, like, you're tricking them into like, oh, I know, this is very expected. And then mm -hmm. what happens, um, well, I guess we can go into this. We get introduced I think only two other characters. Yeah, like they're supposed, like as you said, they're like five participants or something. There might and only like we, be four. 
And we only get to like meet two other characters. Or I think only four are named. Like I think there are like group shots that show like maybe 10 max. I don't think so because we get a very clear view of the starting line and we see all the people leave the starting line. So unless people aren't participating, I think yeah. there's just only four people in this. Fire Force 8 is new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's literally eight groups. You know, how many rookies are they going to have? It's not going to be a huge freshman class. I'm yeah. going to be honest, too. Um, just knowing what we know about the other fire companies, I see it very likely that they said that's stupid. I'm not sending anyone to this. Yeah, actually, yeah. I can see that as well. In universe, it seems like the reason for this is because the audience, the audience in the universe of the comic consists of representatives from the various branches that we said all combined to make the special fire force like there's uh some folks from the military there there's a guy from the the tech industry that makes all their equipment the fire pope is there to the, the fire, fire pope, pope. <laughs> is know. the fire pope flaming i don't know if it's the fire pope but it's, yeah, i don't it's, think he's the fire pope i think he's just like a cardinal or something but almost certainly the fire pope's in the fire vatican <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not even like a joke i think yes. it's that jokingly but it's probably literally true <laughs> yep. the challenge that our young heroes are facing is that there is a mock infernal event happening where there is a there are uh civilians that you need to save and there is an infernal you need to defeat they they give a lot of explanation for something that doesn't matter. That doesn't uh, happen. The real like story conceit of why we're here is Shinran needs to get into contact with company number one because the captain of company one was there at the fire that burned down his home and set him upon this path. Oh my God, this guy looks like a villain with his eye patch and like <laughs> bleached white hair. Uh-huh. <laughs> he looks like snake from i'm making a lot of metal gear references but he looks like snake from metal gear 5 just with white hair or metal gear solid 5 sorry if we're gonna be pedantic (laughs) hey that's my job (laughs) but this guy doesn't want to talk to shinra he's like i see hundreds of fires every year what how why would i remember this specific one but he's obviously lying even shinra knows it and when the shonen protagonist sees through your deceit you know you're not a very good liar and we also get introduced to worst girl. Excuse me, best girl, my <laughs> captain she one. Starts, she starts off as doing as being best, and then slowly we gradually just like, okay. no, this is too much. Too, the joke too of this character is, haha, isn't sexual harassment funny? No, it's not. Could I finish the name of this character so we could actually introduce yeah, her before fair, this? Fair. Um, she is Tamaki Kotatsu. And yes, her joke is that she trips into people causing like harem scenes but the joke is that she's the one doing it from her bad luck it's fine (laughs) this was the gimmick overload point for me yeah like i don't have anything personally against this character her personality is very fun it's just this was the gimmick overload point for me and i'm like okay i'm kind of drawn out of the universe at this point Mm-hmm. But it's nothing really against the character herself. It, she, she was the she was the tipping point for me. But uh, her powers are really cool. Uh, she has uh, fire cat powers. She gets little ears and two tails and fire claws. Her powers are where I. It's really cool. Go. It's it's really cool. But I'm like I. <laughs> I don't understand how the fire powers in this like setting work because it's like 
So you're manipulating fire. No, I'm a cat. Okay. <laughs> Which I guess Arthur is also a thing of like, so he manipulates fire. <laughs> no, he makes a fire sword. And then I just accept it. <laughs> like... Because there's only so much you can do with their pyrokinesis. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's their gimmicks that they chose. It feels like that's the way that their powers manifest. And again, the 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 best part to me about all of Fire Force is this mystery of what's going on. They really sell that. Why are the powers like this? Why are the powers like hyper specific in how they're activated? Because uh, the other character we get introduced to, who um, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't re remember his name, uh, Takaru Noto, he's just a big guy who's most notable that he does not even want to be participating in this game because he is terrified of fire and became a firefighter because he would always be surrounded by firefighters who would protect him. It's... I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I have no strong feelings one way or another about this boy. We begin the games and Shinra's like, ha, later losers, I can fly and jumps straight up, skipping past all of the floors to get to the top where cuts the entire arc in half. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a tournament arc out of obligation. So let's just skip it like that's honestly, if you're going to do paint by numbers, shonen tropes and you really don't want to do the tournament arc, that's a way to do it. I think at this point, it's clear the tournament arc was flavor to immediately rip the bandaid off to the audience by like, oh, wait, one of them can fly. They're just going to fly to the top and win. <laughs> <laughs> Which also, we get a great scene of um, Arthur trying to catch up by going like, well, I've got to catch up with Shinra because I'm still his rival in this arc for some reason, and proceeds to just cut the infrastructure of the building apart. And he ends up teaming up with uh, Tamaki for, I guess, just because they were together. <laughs> they happened to be in the same room. In all fairness, she she ends up using him because uh, she notices he's chivalrous yeah. and uses that to her advantage, which is great. His joke is being used against him. It's not only there to provide, like, a comic foil. It's a part of his personality that can be detrimental to him. Yeah, no, I liked that part. I thought that was a very good use of Arthur. But uh, Shinra makes it to the top and finds out that, oh, no, the entire scenario has been uh, torn asunder because all of the fake uh victims in the fake infernal are all defeated and it's joker standing there i guess you never really saw it coming there's actually a really cool moment where like you see shinra trying to figure out is this actually a twist in the real challenge of the fire soldier games i like i like the moment where he's like piecing things together and and trying to figure it out Shin shinra doesn't have that thing you normally get with protagonists where they're either super dumb or super observant he takes a few seconds to go like wait hold on let's put this together <laughs> it's very natural he's he's the rare middle ground of shonen protagonist he doesn't fully fill any particular shonen archetype they don't try to pull that nonsense you normally get in shonens where you're like oh our main character's overpowered but don't worry he's dumb that one could conceive that potentially you know they upped the ante for the fire soldier rookie games for whatever reason you know but he realizes no that doesn't make sense these people are actually hurt joker starts making comments about uh shinra's backstory about how he knows what happened uh with the fire and uh that's the point where the fight is on and what a fight it is i i loved shinra versus joker it's oh, a really good fight and the thing that absolutely sets Shinra off is something we actually neglected to mention earlier, but um, part of the his entire family killed in a fire thing included his baby brother. 
fire, and everyone thought that the fire just burned so hot it incinerated his little bones. But no, Joker says, the brother is alive. It's also nice that Shinra does not take that at face value. Like, he considers it, but he's mm-hmm. also like, he could just be lying to me. I, I appreciated that, because I admit when I got the panel of Joker saying, your brother's alive, I'm like, oh no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the things i really like about shinra he is a very balanced character in a way most shonen protags aren't it's refreshing in a way he's able to create explosions much like uh well much like bakugo or combustion man from avatar if that's your uh flavor is his firepower that he makes flaming cards or is that is he lighting cards on fire? It, I, I'm not sure. It it might be that he like throws and then manipulates Gambit style cards that are on fire. They don't really go too much into it, which honestly, considering like he's supposed to be this big mysterious art villain, it's kind of hard to tell what he's doing. Like the th- the one thing that we know for sure what he's doing is that he has these vials of some kind of powder and he'll spread it. And then, you know, when it comes in contact with fire, it explodes violently. He's using that to keep Shinra at bay. Shinra is, like, shown to be quite the competent fighter up to this point, you know. But it's clear throughout this entire fight, Joker is just toying with him. Yeah. Which I love because you're like, oh, cool, this is a big bad who's getting his first spotlight. And it's not only that Joker is toying with Shinra, a displaying how extra powerful he is it also shows that despite the whole agent of chaos thing he is a planner because his power causes so much collateral environmental damage he begins questioning hey hero are you really gonna let this building collapse around all of these people you know the building that i set on fire and have been destabilizing with these explosions also your friend arthur probably isn't helping with that (laughs) yeah yeah, Arthur, uh, Arthur and uh, Cat Girl. I keep blanking uh, on her Tamaki. name. Tamaki, Tamaki Kotatsu, because everyone's names are puns in this. <laughs> yes, but uh, Night Boy and Cat Girl, which sounds like an 80s cartoon. Arthur does not think, at the very least, he does go in on Joker with a vengeance. And, you know, yeah, focus the boss. Arthur does do the stupid shonen protagonist thing of not recognizing obvious things because he thinks that Shinra is just lying that that Joker is part of the Fire Soldier games. And I mean, I'm that not works, against that works. Yeah, that works. Yeah. That is- I mean, in in solving fires, you need all kinds of people. You need the mm-hmm. people who just rush head first and do things on instinct. You need <laughs> other baseless defenses for a character I like. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no matt i'm with you i really liked this moment from arthur it showed both sides of how his boneheadedness can be detrimental and also beneficial i mean you know burning buildings are notorious for not being great places to stop and think like yeah you need somebody who will just act it, and i i am legit curious to see if he can be honed to uh turn that just directly go into the action in a more mindful way i guess well it's because other people show up that Joker decides this has gotten too complicated. Your typical reason for why Big Bad leaves fight with early protags. Even though he could probably win against all three of them. Though it, it is also worth noting that, like, to be fair, if he does take too long, all of the fire force is outside the building and can come in and, you know. Yeah, so including, including several high level captains. And just to... Remind everyone, I have not read past chapter 20, but when his secret boss 
a fire captain one comes in and goes joker my best friend <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as as bare minimum excuse for the big bad not to just kill the main character immediately it is adequate <laughs> joker is also kind of here to screw with shinra and being like all right hero here's your rescue scenario bye it's a good one i like it yeah he initially tries to recruit shinra but again shinra being who he is Tells him to go pound sand. His own morals are more important than a fast track to finding the secret that he wants. Like he wants to mm -hmm. do it the right way. Yeah, Shin Shinra believes in himself and mm -hmm. is not going to be held up by anyone else's interpretation of what's right. He's going to do what he thinks is right. And I, I appreciate that. And we also get one more moment of our three uh, fire heroes here. Uh, Shinra, Arthur and Catgirl all using their powers in very in uh, very synchronous ways. Tamaki is able to collect all of the downed guys pretty quick with her feline swiftness, I guess. Arthur cuts open the roof uh, to get them out and Shinra can fly. So there you go. Does um is this a scene where uh, Tamaki jumps out of the uh, building and has to be rescued by um by her captain? Yeah. Yeah, and we get my favorite panel, which is Arthur also falling, saying, save me too. And the captain just goes, you idiot, you can't change direction in midair once you jump. <laughs> I'm not flying, I just jumped. And Arthur says, oh, all right, God save me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really great panel. Like, this, this manga has some great jokes where they just matter of fact reference like what would happen in real because uh, earlier in the first mission um shinra falls unconscious during the mission and he wakes up and goes like how many minutes was i out and the lieutenant just looks at him like you were out for a few seconds about eight seconds you dramatic idiot get back in there any amount of time you would be unconscious beyond that is incredibly dangerous but i had an entire flashback just get in there and kill the monster <laughs> being unconscious for multiple minutes is bad <laughs> <laughs> we're in a burning building but yeah we do get the classic uh firefighters making the tarp that people jump into and that's how fire company eight manages to save arthur from his uh plummeting mostly mostly he does whack his head but that is um his most armored spot it is <laughs> it is he's fine and that is the rookie fire soldier games well uh despite you know how we have been kind of joking a little ragging on how it's you know oh it's the tournament arc and uh psych no it isn't i really did like this as the setup bit that it was yeah yeah it, it did a lot of um like world building that needed to be there uh, i think we get explained like how the fire companies interact with each other mm -hmm. uh and then immediately after we get a more in-depth lore dump <laughs> is kind of what it turns in. there's a fight but it, it also ends early and it's mostly justification for like a lot of yeah because like i said the rookie fire soldier games is a setup arc we have another setup mini arc right after that there's a firefighter who was also a serial killer and uh he ends up going infernal another great fight uh going toe-to-toe -to -toe with uh Miyamoto. He's he's the serial killer firefighter. I, I didn't remember his name, but uh, can we, we just do a quick skim? I love how his defense, because he's representing himself, obviously, on the stand is, hey, as a firefighter, I saved more lives than I took. Than I took. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he's got this really twisted morality. This is the reason why the public does not adore the fire force, because they have a history of either going infernal, which is a problem you get with um pyrokinesis is they themselves are 
prone to maybe go infernal, but also um, is uh, they abuse their powers, which we see very clearly in our next villain. There is a brief fight between uh, Shinra, Arthur and teaming up on Miyamoto, and it's pretty rad. They get some cool team attack moves, which are very fun to look at. And then the rest of Company H shows up, and the lieutenant just walks up and starts gadding him. <laughs> I love the lieutenant and how his response to everything is fill it with bullets. <laughs> well, shoot it with bullets. <laughs> my, my special firepower. Done. <laughs> well, we'll get into that in the next arc. It's like he doesn't necessarily want want the bullets to penetrate the target. He will shoot anything, including things that he doesn't want to kill. Jacob, we'll get into that in the next arc. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Miyamoto runs away. They uh, chase after Shinra chases after him because he's the fastest. And we get, mm, oh, a beautiful panel where uh, Miyamoto is about to go on more of a rampage, burning more people. And Shinra drops out of the sky, kicks him full on in full force in the face, knocking him on his ass. And Shinra lands on top of a car. And we get this glorious shot from uh, Miyamoto's perspective, looking up at the grinning devil crouched on the car, fire spitting from his feet, smoke. Oh, it's so cool. I Every time Shinra gets into a situation where he's like, I don't care if people think I look like a demon, I'm going to do the right thing. And just leans into it. Shown in protagonist. That's one of my favorite moments, uh -huh. too, because that time when he's grinning, it's a natural smile. He mm -hmm. knows he can handle this. He knows he can save everyone. He's gonna save everyone. He's got this. And it's one of the first times mm -hmm. you see a toothy grin from him that's natural. It's, mm -hmm. it's, using, it's using his gimmick well. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's, I love it. It's a great panel. Um, but after this, the whole fight, too, because there's more fighting after that. And it's great, too. It's a really good fight. But I mean, it's a good fight. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? <laughs> it, it, it's yeah, it's a it's a strong shonen action fight. But as I said, it is a uh, setup for the next arc villains, kind of well, not arc villains, but the next antagonistic force we have to deal with. Is it the end of um, this arc that we get revealed by Captain Obi that the special purpose for uh, Fire Company 8? That's actually it was actually yeah. at the start of this one, if I remember. Right. Yeah, they actually allude to that. There's a hidden hidden mission behind eight. And then it this arc does end with a cliffhanger for it. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the that's another case where I'm I'm going to end up praising Shinra such a great character because the whole point of what Joker was doing was trying to sow doubt in Shinra's mind of whether or not the Fire Force was good. So come join our side, whatever that is. And Shinra does not buy Joker's nonsense for even a second. But the thing I really liked about Shinra is he trusts Obi and he just goes to Obi and say, hey, is there something wrong with the Fire Force? Is there an evil faction within the Fire Force? Like, he's just totally like there's no like code word about it. There's like he just he just straight up asks the person he, that he trusts the most. He just goes straight to a superior officer to bring up concerns, which is yeah. perfect military behavior. <laughs> <laughs> And Obi says, yeah, there is something rotten in the state of Denmark. All of it. <laughs> all of it. It's all rotten all the way down. Only and the firefighters can be. This explanation's a little funny because it, <laughs> it, it is essentially only firefighters can be trusted. Everyone else is using the fire force for their own ends. I mean, yeah, 
it's it's necessary for the setup obviously but yeah there's a lot of world building politics going on it's not that the firefighters are good it's that obi is good but obi is the only representative of the firefighters that we have so it's kind of impossible not to see it framed that way i want to say it kind of mirrors the stereotype that whenever there's any type of worldwide fiasco government or political movement, it becomes super political, where the people who are drawn to it, of course, are the people who are motivated either passionately for a cause or because influence and power and yada, yada, yada. Because it gets them something, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the big thing behind it is that the firefighters are actually kind of weak compared to all the other things. And they're like, we just want to continue doing our job on a larger scale. That's why you're supposed to intrinsically trust them. I just think it's funny how it's framed. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It's clumsily framed, which is unfortunately a common problem with Fire Force, but... I'm not sure if the whole first, second, third gen thing is literal human generations. They don't really get into that. We'll yeah, talk about and that. and that's where I have that problem. It I, is I, not, I know you want... I don't... <laughs> Save We've, the sauce. Me All and right. Jay have a, have a thing on this. All yep. right. Just ping me, Sam. Yeah, but... <laughs> Either way, this whole spontaneous human combustion thing has been going on for a long time. The Fire Force has been around for a significant period of time. They should either be further along in figuring out what this is, or they should have solved it. So Special Company 8 was created to figure out why has the Fire Force, the organization dedicated to fixing this problem, not fixed the problem yet. And they're supposed to do this clandestinely. So we get Shinra and Arthur kicking down Company 5's doors. Oh my god. Can we... Well, first of all, the reason they do this is because Iris disappears in the night. Mm. She gets... Yeah, I know. I, I just thought it was a funny It is. And like, so Iris, that's really all you need to know. Basically, it's, the excuse for why they kick in the door as fast as they can. We, can we also establish they immediately launch a military assault on a on an allied on, organization, on, not even allied. It's their own organization. They're launching a military yeah. coup. And we're just expected to go <laughs> along with it because it's cool, which is fair. I'll give it that. <laughs> Yeah, but like <laughs> so I, I feel like we skipped over an important bit of detail. Uh, Shinra did not defeat the fire, the uh, infernal serial killer. The Special Fire Force Company five showed up and claimed him for research purposes. Uh, there had been no other record of an infernal showing that much of retaining their personality because the, the, he stayed he stayed the exact same serial killer and used all of the justifications that he used as as when he was human, it's like he just gained fire powers. They take him, they're going to use him for experimentation. Uh, and the reason that Iris disappears in the night is because she actually has a connection with the captain of Company 5. You know she does. They were both uh, students at the nunnery together. Ooh, oh, of course. Scandalous. Yes. Yeah, the captain of Company 5 is... She is a lot. <laughs> I wish they toned her down a little bit. Jacob, you shut your mouth. You will speak with reverence when you refer to Princess Hibana. No, it's it's too much. It's too much, man. It is just enough. No. Princess Hibana is a lot. I'm not going to comment on whether it's too much or not, but she is a lot. She she wears a short dress. She wears a big fur coat. She has got so much dumb energy. She refers to people that she thinks is lesser as gravel and walking on them with her stilettos. 
has her big fur coat and radiates heat. She's got Nia eyes for some reason. She's got flower yeah, eyes. Yeah, that's kind of actually. No, I I kind of like the flower eyes because she has a she has a flower theme. Yeah, yeah. She, she's she's very much her. Power I like is her adult. aesthetic. I absolutely mm-hmm. like the aesthetic. I think her actions are a little too over the top for me, and I'm just like, okay, we got it, we got it. We got it. Jay, you gotta let her be a bad girl. So then when she's redeemed later. <laughs> hey, audience at home, guess my favorite character. <laughs> Iris goes up to Princess Hibana because she actually hadn't seen Hibana in years. The, they were the only two survivors of a fire at the cafe, at the nunnery where they were studying. And that's when they went their separate ways. And it was during the Miyamoto incident that Iris saw her and it's like, wait a minute. That's that's Hibana. That's Onesan. Why is she this weird dominatrix captain lady? I need to go talk to her about this naive little cinnamon bun that she is. Iris goes to talk to her about it and immediately gets captured. Leaves in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. All right there. I'm pretty sure there's already dojin about it. All right. Stop. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what happens is because she's disappeared in this situation is what causes her company to jump to the conclusion to immediately launch a military assault on an allied base. You're talking about Princess Hibata being extra. This entire arc is too extra. <laughs> I'm kind of offended by this. You're saying you wouldn't launch like a military front if I was captured? The rest of them load up into an armored truck and yeah, then I would bullets, expect nothing less. Actual bullets <laughs> go shooting up <laughs> grunt workers <laughs> and break through the gate. Because we learned that we learned that the lieutenant's power is he reduces the explosion from the gunpowder in his. Can we bullets. talk about how dumb it, that is? It's so dumb. It's it's so. <laughs> I think it gets mentioned earlier. It's dumb when it gets mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's immediately beforehand. He starts shooting Shinra. And Shinra's like, wait, you shot me and it hurt, but why didn't it kill me? And I'm thinking, oh, he's using rubber bullets, obviously. That's a perfect thing for him to do. No, he's reducing the impact. He's reducing the explosion of the gunpowder. Okay. How is this How is this weirder than, than the freaking cat girl fire? No, Jacob, here's the thing. More importantly, he better not ever for a second mess up or he's just shot someone with a real gun. It's so stupid. It's uh-huh. so stupid. We haven't even got to the part that's stupid. It's just I was going to say, it gets worse. It manages to get worse. <laughs> this this arc is a lot of dumb fun. <laughs> it is. We do have um, a very cool moment from Shinra where uh, he kicks in the front door and says, I'm the one, I'm smash company five and save the nun man that's his hero name i guess (laughs) he he keeps changing his hero name to be a sentence about what he's currently doing he is holding forward straight at the boss fight with captain hibana which i support honestly he should (laughs) yeah and meanwhile the rest of company five is following in his or the rest of company eight is following in his footsteps and we rapidly learn that hibana is the only competent member of company five because the rest of them are clowns that get washed okay as long as we're talking about dumb powers can we talk about toro uh, kishiri who apparently his firepower is his lungs produce flammable gas and, he, and he blows bubblegum bubbles that float somehow Okay. I, I mean, we don't know what the gas is, but I don't know why pyrokinesis allows you to like create fam- flammable gas. It does because reasons. Yeah. But, I, but anyway, he can do it quickly enough that he traps um, uh, Witch Girl and the, the Lieutenant 
That's why, yeah, Maki and the lieutenant, and um, they are blowing bubbles, and basically they are being, he's hidden behind a corner and is keeping cover fire by all of these exploding balloons, to which the lieutenant then goes, hold on, I don't understand how guns work because this is what I'm going to do. How <laughs> <laughs> he was fired to bend the bullets. I guess because the bullets explode a second time. I guess <laughs> it's not. It's not even like wanted bullet bending or whatever. It is using his his pyrokinesis to cause the bullet to fire again in a different direction. It's like Sex Pistols from JoJo's Part Five, but like the only. But it's not a stand. He's just a pyrokinetic. How is it? it's it's the so only stupid. the only way I can think about this is he's using his pyrokinesis to like specifically only ignite a section of the like ignitable stuff and then somehow using that a second time i know what you're saying that's an insane amount of control that probably doesn't even work everything about what he does is that uh -huh. it, yeah it's it's it's, it's cool if you don't want to worry about why he's just shoot he also is very willing to shoot people yeah oh and they even maki even points that out uh-huh it's cool <laughs> It's cool. It's really dumb. Uh, and then we do they then break in and we get to deal with the f uh, fifth angels three. All all 80 of them. The, jo the joke is there's neither five nor three of them. There's there's many. And uh, Maki and the lieutenant just rinse their entire group. <laughs> It's honestly kind of sad. I think the joke is they're just grunts who dress up like that to make uh -huh. them be more intimidating, which good joke. Good like, joke. Then we have Arthur versus their, their conehead scientist and Miyamoto, who has been increased with even more firepower. And he forgets that he's right handed. That's so funny. And you're going to trust him with the bereaved's loved ones. Jacob, here's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to wonder what you're very concerned about here, because the rest of this arc has been dumb nonsense. So Arthur realizing mid fight. Wait a second. I'm left handed. Proceeds to I'm... cut the dude in half is right in line with literally everything else that has happened in this arc. That's the problem. The juxtaposition of the serious stuff with the funny stuff is not done well. They take this, the funny stuff way too far in all the wrong places. I think this entire arc is just extra funny because they go extra. I mean, mm. I, see, that's the thing. I like Arthur. I do like the jokes. I don't like how they're placed and how far they push them. As, as much as I get where you're coming from, Jake, and like I do get it. I understand. I agree to an extent. I'm also kind of with Matt in that this entire bit has been so campy and cartoony compared to everything else that has happened. So like this arc onto itself, if you want Fire Force to be that, then I'm on board with that. Like I prefer the more serious stuff, but that's just my personal preference. The this is very funny. It's really funny. I guess I'm just uh, compartmentalizing it. That's probably the way that you have to do it. But like, I just can't. I know. I know you can't, buddy. <laughs> I know you can't. <laughs> That's a good drop, Sam. I know you can't, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but then we do get to uh, the boss battle that Shinra has been holding forward towards. Such uh, a good him. fight. As a pyromane, I cannot I cannot condone WM1, but uh, Shinra is great through all of this. He is. Shinra 
goes up against Sivana and he realizes, oh, we're both uh, third generations, but she's way older, more experienced and powerful than I am. This is bad. Her thing is she produces. Uh, she's got several layers to her power. She can produce giant fire flowers that cause burning petals, which is uh, in both the manga and the anime. It's absolutely freaking beautiful. Yeah, Jacob, when you get a second, what's the anime of her using her final technique? It is beautiful because they like do a cool iridescent sheen on each of the petals. In animation, I bet that that is absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. It is, it is a beautiful fight throughout. But her other power is she can cause localized heat stroke in people, which is terrifying. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if that's even part of her power or just saying how strong she is. Mm. And like, maybe this is a thing like all like strong fire users can use because it she she gives it a name is the reason why I feel like it's a particularly unique power. Like it might be something that other like, honestly, I feel like Maki could probably do that. It is why she wears the fur coat, though. We get that's the gimmick is she is overheating herself to like make other people like super overheat. Mm. And it is supposed to be like she suddenly blast you with such an intense wave of heat that you immediately enter heat stroke and fall and over drop but shinra being the determinator shown in protag he is and also with some fire resistance stands up and is like no screw i'm gonna hit you and she's like how are you doing this it's vertigo that means it's all in my mind no, that's not how that works yep continuing the phrase of this arc is extra vertigo is just in my mind what? <laughs> I, I love how it's even addressed in universe with Hibana going, no. The sort of nice thing is that the, the fight is relatively simple. Like it's gorgeous with the fire flower stuff, but like Hibana isn't really a fighter. She's not like, you know, it's not like it's Dragon Ball where every third person's a mar- martial artist. All um, Shinra has to do is once he's able to overcome the heat stroke, uh, he just punches her in the face. And that's that. Essentially, because Hibana's entire strategy is get them with heat stroke and then her petals slowly fall, burning them. Such a good panel of her punching in his face. I forget what his hero name is when he punches her, but I think it directly references Bring the like, crazy lady back to her senses, man. I think it's something close to that. It, it is the equivalent of let's see you grit yep. those teeth. I, I also love how Iris is here for like this entire fight cheering on Shinra and also being and also turning to Hibana, pointing at Shinra and being like, hey, do you like that living example of every reason you're wrong? Because <laughs> oh, we get her explanation for why she's doing what she's doing and it's for all the times that because this series will exposition dump where like characters should already know and like the the flashbacks are fine but there are a couple of cases where it's like as you know and it's one of those ones where it's like yeah that's kind of how exposition works sometimes but this was actually well done because they had an excuse to have the two characters talk about something that they both know because they're also sort of sideways talking to shinra about it the the justification for why hibana went as far as she did as much as like no what she's doing is not justified but like she never took the the lessons at the nunnery seriously and a whole bunch of genuinely pious girls all died to uh died in an infernal incident yeah i I just realized have we said what she was planning to do i think that kind of got glossed over study infernal sell the research and live in the lap of luxury which is kind of where she was she wants to abuse her powers because the very nature of her having fire powers means she's already tainted she is evil so she should be evil 
That's why yeah, she mm-hmm. goes as far as she does because the nunnery taught her fire powers are evil. You can't make yourself not a fire power user. So you're the reason the nun the nunnery burned. You're like to blame for everything. If you're already evil, might as well go full force with it. Yeah. So she goes extra. It makes a very twisted sense. Mm-hmm. From especially from what we see, we see her and Iris standing there watching the uh, other nuns burn and. Those panels are horrific. Yeah, this manga does not shy away from showing you a burning human body, much like Yu-Gi-Oh. Go watch the Yu-Gi-Oh episode. <laughs> yeah, go listen to the Yu-Gi-Oh episode. It's really good. I think we plug it every other episode. <laughs> I, which has more dead bodies? Probably Fire Force. But Almost certainly Fire Force. Because there's, there's mass burnings in Fire Force. Where we have it? 20 in this backstory we're talking about right now, Jacob. Yeah. Okay, okay. Named characters, which... Uh, which has more deaths. I think a few of those nuns are named. <laughs> yeah, no, that it's it's a it's a real question, which has more named character deaths. It's a really cool moment of um Shinra overcoming Hibana and you know Iris as I believe it was Sam who mentioned, look at this living embodiment of all the reasons why you're wrong. Um they overcome her and she was kind of crazy and they do kind of uh bring her to her senses. And then they have to deal with the fallout for the military action they committed against they an committed ally. against themselves. <laughs> I mean, they basically just have a barbecue and it's okay. <laughs> well, essentially what they say is because Hibata gets turned good by Shinra beating her up. That's not what happens. She gets knocked to her senses. And with Iris's help, she kind of realizes, wait, maybe I've gone too far. She basically just says, yeah, this was an impromptu training exercise. What about that guy who got shot a lot? Shut up. <laughs> Rubber bullets. You deserved it. They're clearly not rubber bullets. Are you going to include that in the report, Gravel? No, ma'am. Oh, no. They've been setting up uh, Company 5 as being so evil. And then uh, Hibana comes out and basically says to them, yeah, this was a training exercise and you all failed. You're all going to get punished. And they're like, Ooh. oh, okay. Like, they didn't know what was going on either. Uh-huh. Again, Hibana's the only competent member of Company 5. <laughs> Pretty much. There's just this fallout uh, at the end, you know, not really resetting to the status quo, but at the very least, uh, not having super lasting consequences of, as Matt has said multiple times, this military action against their own organization. If you read this, it's very violent what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. But this does bring us to the end of our reading. And uh, Jay, you, uh, I know you wanted to complain well, about the on. Generations thing. We forgot one thing that does happen right at the end. Uh, fan favorite character Tamaki Katatsu gets transferred to main character division. It's it's very forgettable because it happens right at the end for, I think it's implied sinister reasons. But who knows? We It, it wasn't in what we read. I think it's mostly because she was just clear favorite character from the lineup of Fire Force. Yeah, out of the, out of the two options, she did things. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Uh, ta- Takeru Noto uh, <laughs> uh, did explode fire rockets that just made everything worse. What? No, they didn't even make anything worse. The building rumbled and then they continued the scene like nothing happened because nothing happened. His firepower is he produces rockets. Anyway, yeah, Jay. I don't know if I could follow up with with what was just said previously, but yeah, the whole first, no, the whole second and third generation thing, a misuse of words just because the whole like generation thing just, 
gives the indication, at least for me as a first time reader, I was like, okay, these must be, you know, related somehow. You know, maybe your grandfather was an infernal and then the second generation would be someone who was a descendant or something like that. No, it's just purely spontaneous and when you're talking about fire powers what you could easily do that would be a lot more fitting is yeah. use first second and third degree degree exactly so i'm just saying pointing out to, to the point i'm wondering if it's like a mistranslation or and that's where i don't believe it can be a mistranslation because you know they're not even degree makes so much more sense with how it's used though but yeah and the used generation just gives the idea that they're related somehow but I mean, the whole idea, the whole concept when we're thrown into this universe is that it's spontaneous. There's spontaneity there. Like, I think we're even told people haven't been spontaneously combusting for a generation. Like, yeah, it's they don't actually go into too deeply on how long it's been going on. And honestly, that's part of what makes the mystery work. The audience is in the dark. The characters are largely in the dark. Uh, it drip feeds information, I think, at a, a good pace, but it gives the wrong impression, calling it generations. And degree, that's so brilliant. Degre I, I know. De degree <laughs> is like the obvious thing you should do, especially because there's only three of them. I mean, but yeah, I guess we can segue into like how you guys feel about like the firepowers as a whole. Now, I, I am already a sucker for firepowers in general. So just on that front, I did enjoy this. I adore Shinra's powers. They are the coolest because it's a rad mobility power. It gives him a ton of opportunities to make cool flips and do really interesting things with his environment. And it's got a sick ass name. It's the devil's footprints and it gives him this rad monster persona. And I really love Shinra's powers. The rest of them, I could I could give or take. I mean, I'm kind of partial to fire powers. I know that's a huge cop route, but I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's not an invalid response. Yeah, fire powers I mean, are a very common favorite power. Because they're yeah. easy. They're, okay, they're easy. You know, fire, fire hurts, fire destroys, fire is just, yes. Yeah, I think that's kind of my thing with them, though, is I'm. In order to get like a whole bunch of characters who all have fire as their power, you need to set limitations on it. And I think I like everything I've seen so far. My worry would be if like Shinra suddenly be able to like punch fire. I would feel that's a step too far because in order for like fire powers to be into like otherwise yeah. what you do is you have all the fire powers just naturally conglomerate into one like someone who can just be an infernal. Someone I guess who's just a firebender. Yeah, which we technically get in uh, Mika. But Amaki. she's second to Amaki. First of all, hard agree with um, Sam on Shinra in particular. I love Shinra. Like I mentioned in the Hiroaka um, part two episode that I love high mobility fighters. Shinra is very high mobility. He has some great dynamic kicks that make for some great choreography. He's got the cool devil persona. What's your tolerance for... That's how physics works in this universe, because I think a good test on whether or not you would accept the the nonsense really comes down to the lieutenant messing with bullets, because that doesn't make any sense. You know, what I'm kind of saying, though, is in order to have a variety of firepowers, you kind of have to accept. You have to bend the rules. Them. Yeah. And yeah, they're skirting a line. Unfortunately, Fire Force does that a lot. Um, but 
I'd, I'd say I'd say pro how Fire Force is using it. Okay, now we can go into favorite characters. <laughs> favorite characters. Jay, favorite character, favorite fight. Okay. Um. So Maki, favorite character because yes. Um. Favorite fight. I just love her being the best. <laughs> <out of fire. laughs> oh, she's just so much older sister vibes, and I love it. Um. And I also really, I I think I really enjoy her. Um, what is it called? The sputter? Oh, sputter. yes, sputter. The sputtering is adorable and very clever. It's just one of those things that, as we discover, that they don't really anticipate when they hear that she is a, a second generation. They don't, you know, think about how she can use their own weapons against them. Like I said, she's like an older sister who's kind of like, while she is, you know, supposed to be there to be their colleague, she also is able to provide that perspective and be like, hey, you guys think you know everything. Well, have you considered it from this angle? You know, kind of bringing that tactical military mindset to it. And it's just like, oh, wow. You think you're a tough kid? Yeah. I really like that spunk. Okay, Sam? Favorite character? Yeah, no, Maki is definitely way up there. She is uh, very fun. As I have alluded to throughout the episode, I do really like Shinra because as much as this is a paint-by-numbers shonen, Shinra is not a very paint-by-numbers shonen protagonist. And I appreciate that level of variety. Like, he's got all of the hallmarks of it, but the way that he actually acts and uses those hallmarks and uh, operates within the story feels refreshing while still being familiar and uh i really like that so yeah shinra and maki just tied and your favorite fight though i know i was with everybody in complimenting the hibana fight a bunch because it is great but yeah shinra just going to town on miyamoto in the one-on-one is it's got so many great panels. It's got a lot of uh, fun philosophizing in the middle of combat, which uh, Jake has cursed me with enjoying after making me watch all <laughs> Gundam. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. I think that one's my favorite. Cool. Jacob, favorite character, favorite fight. I don't really think I dislike any of the characters. And while I don't think that the characters are Fire Force's strength, which kind of means that there are a lot of characters tied. There are moments where a bunch of different characters stand out for me. When Maki is being used well in that sort of big sister role, I adore her. Um, Shinra is a very, very good protagonist, and I like him a lot. Iris is a fun character. Like We didn't talk about Iris very much, but especially in the, in the last part where they were dealing with uh, Fire Company 5, Iris really shows that she's not just eye candy. She actually has a personality. I mean, I never saw her as like eye candy at all. I thought she like served a very valuable purpose for the team as being their spiritual heart. Yeah, Iris kind of unfortunately, just from like the nature of our show, she gets skimmed over because a lot of what she does is like maintenance work with the team in between. She makes people like person like feel good. Like she's there as bonus, which unfortunately isn't, it's it's hard to talk about in the context of the way we do it, which is why I wanted to spotlight her here, because I really like her a lot. And honestly, I really, really like Hibana. If I had to pick one, I think I would go with Hibana as my favorite character, though Shinra is definitely up there, too. Good taste. And the thing <laughs> I really like about Hibana is as the crazy ultra extra villain, 
She has a very believable way of getting to that place. She has a believable way of getting out of there. So now she can be like a sympathetic character that you like. I actually really like the fact that she kind of has a crush on Shinra by the end of it. Oh, I love that bit. (laughs) I love it. One of the ultra basic shonen tropes that's crept into shonen that I don't like is making every shonen pro tag a harem pro tag because it sells it sells it sells but the thing is there is not a hint of romance whatsoever between shinra and maki good keep it that way and like you could say that there's shades of a relationship between shinra and iris but not really there is enough for shipping there's enough for shipping but it doesn't it doesn't intrude on the story yeah, and it's believable. I mean, I believe it that there was an initial attraction because Shinra, as we find out, you know, this is the first time he's been around women. And he's like, oh my gosh, women. Also, from <laughs> Iris's point of view, Shinra saved her life. Yeah, they have a very genuine friendship. So it, it like it's not romantic. And then you have someone who was saved in multiple different ways. A very sort of like charming schoolgirl school girl crush dynamic with Hibana and it really endeared me to her. Like a lot of what I like Hibana for is the very end of it where suddenly she's she's a protagonist now. Yeah, she's got that super cute panel where she's like bashfully uh, looking away from uh, Captain Obi, who she's talking to. And she says, well, I've fallen in love. <laughs> it's it's so- super cute. I guess I don't really need to say, but my favorite character is Princess Hibana. But for a lot of the same reasons Jake said, like she goes extra and she is like an extra villain, but it's believable. And like, that's kind of the joke is she is actually like an old school anime villain, but like, because she's playing a part, she's playing what she thinks a villain should be because she's being what society's told her she is, which is kind of a cool juxtaposition she gets with um, Shinra is he is actively being who he wants in spite of what society is telling him he is. Yeah. And he's also actually pursuing heroism in the same way she pursued villainy. Yeah, yeah, he's pursuing an ideal. Yeah, by being very loud about it, and I love it. (laughs) But uh, I'll skim over her then, because I feel like some other characters got robbed in your guys' descriptions for some reason. Um, (laughs) Arthur is amazing, and everything these other three people say is incorrect. And Sam, just preemptively cut all of their responses, because I'm going on my monologue here. I like Arthur too. Cut that, Sam. I need to be a victimized. <laughs> Hold on, let me think of something to say. No, uh, Arthur is really good. I, I like his refreshing, like, when you've got so much other things going on, someone who's just like, no, I'm here to do my job. I'm going to go ahead, steam through it. Because you don't get a lot of, like, him being detrimental to the team because he's hard-headed. He's detrimental to himself, but normally the team works out fine by him going full steam ahead. If that changes, I'll probably be disappointed. But I like him as he is. Um, And then also, I heard you say uh, Maki a lot as your favorite character. I'm assuming you just were mispronouncing Tamaki. Uh, fire cat girl who's amazing and does not show up barely in anything we read. I just like her powers because her powers are cool. She turns into a fire cat girl. Again, I would like to say I don't really have anything against the them for their characters. I feel like by the time they are introduced, we have reached gimmick overload and the gimmick of the whole nightstick and the lucky lecture lore. The nightstick happens like really early on. 
My issue is juxtaposition of serious versus the comedy. I don't like how it's juxtaposed. Hmm. Fair. But um, so anyway, my favorite fight then, um, probably in direct uh, opposition to what Jake's just said, but uh, I really loved the uh, Arthur Boyle versus Miyamoto fight because I legitimately had to stop reading because I couldn't stop laughing at the fact that they were really going to do, <laughs> he forgot he was left-handed. And then I had to look back to see if he was ever left-handed earlier on. I, I think I hadn't actually like read that read up to that part yet when UJ and I ended up watching the anime together and that so us all together watching that was my first experience to that moment and I think you will recall I was also laughing my ass I think off. the anime has probably a better benefit to J Jake's point is um it gets an episode by itself so it kind mm -hmm. of already compartmentalizes like the episodes themselves are pretty good about this is going to be a comedy episode, which a lot of that arc was because they turned the bubble blowing fight into. It's an inherently absurd and stupid situation that is going on. You can tell pretty early on in a given episode of Fire Force whether it's going to be a serious episode or a funny episode. That makes me want to see the see it even more, because one of the things that I wanted to mention but haven't up to this point is one of the reasons why I didn't mind Obi, even though he can be extremely ridiculous at times, is when the situation gets serious, he turns on the serious and the bodybuilder gimmick is gone. He's just strong. Mm. And so if the show, if the anime is good about keeping the funny in a box, then I feel like that is probably about because like there's there's no filter with the way that the manga is structured yeah uh, i also think i uh have not simped for obi hard enough but we are out of time <laughs> so sam would you continue reading fire force i think i would i think i would uh not quite as enthusiastically as other ones that i have said that i would continue reading i feel like if i ever get an itch to see more of this one like maybe i started listening to inferno or spark again on repeat <laughs> I, i'll open it up and uh keep reading I, i'm not going to binge it or anything but yeah i'll keep reading. okay jacob heck yes when is part two? <laughs> oh my god i want to read more fire for it like I it was very hard for me to stop where we did because it, it ends on such a good cliffhanger. I want to know more about this world. And like for all the harshness I did, it's because I really like Fire Force. You know, I want it to be its best self because it's it. it it's so almost up my alley. OK, Jay, would you continue reading Fire Force? Absolutely. Um, as one of the few people who's probably not finished Soul Eater, or... yeah, I really like Fire Force. I tried Soul Eater, but I didn't really get into it. So you and I have very, very similar tastes. I've noticed, Jay. I mean, yeah. I mean, for different reasons, but like, I just I think, yeah. didn't really get into um, Soul Eater. Like, I like the art style, just didn't really get into the plot. It didn't grab me. It's okay, yeah. Sam. We can always find new co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with better taste in anime. I watched Soul Eater at probably the best time in my life that I could have, and that is to say my edgy 13-year-old phase, so... <laughs> Soul Eater is definitely more of a middle school, high school anime. Uh-huh. So, so when's the Soul Eater episode, then? I mean, I'd read the Soul Eater manga. So the Soul Eater manga has the problem in that the uh, first three chapters are really long, because each of them were essentially separate pilots. And then what happened was they got picked up together as one show with each of the because Soul Eater inherently has six main characters, seven main characters. Yeah. Um, 
that it kind of does a dance between. But uh, anyway, uh, would I continue reading Fire Force? Uh, yeah, um, I think I'm more along Sam's line is I probably what I would do with Fire Force is read chunks of it at a, at a time. I don't think I could handle reading it chapter by chapter as it updated, but conveniently it's like 300 chapters long, so that's probably yeah. never going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would uh, definitely continue reading. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Over Manga Cast. Remember to uh, give us a follow on your preferred podcasting app. Uh, review the show. Uh, I, I hear that Podcatcher is a thing. I don't know. I just use Spotify. And make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at Over Manga Cast for our premiere show posting of whatever we are reading for that week and our varying other bad opinions. And next time we are doing another revisit episode, getting back into the exceptionally gory world of Chainsaw Man. And I I still have very, very intense feelings about how Matt made us stop at the biggest cliffhanger (laughs) last time. I cannot forgive you. If it makes you feel any better, since we recorded that episode, Chainsaw Man has ended. So with uh, our next section, chapter 23 through 52, that essentially takes us to the two thirds marker, meaning we would only need one more episode to just get a full chunk of it. I am I am very excited and also a little scared. (laughs) You should be. (laughs) You should have been dumb like me and accidentally read a bunch extra. (laughs) when i was the one who didn't like it at first we might have been less angry (laughs) yeah jacob you read halfway through what we read so you still have some new stuff (laughs) i still have some to go but i i read past the cliffhanger so i know what happens the cliffhanger is pretty obvious but yeah 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 Yeah. but yeah thanks for listening everybody good night good night good night